1: Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
0: Today in the guest chair, we have Letitia Williams, co-founder of Cards for All People, a cultural, casual gaming company that humorously celebrates the diverse subcultures of America. An accomplished sports and entertainment exec, Ms. Williams is well-networked and respected through her years of experience, honed with companies such as Admiral Center, IMG, LeBron James, LRMR Marketing, MTV, Nickelodeon, and RockAware. So welcome to the show, Letitia. Thanks for joining us in the guest chair. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, I want you to give us a little background about yourself, because I think you have such an interesting story. So tell us a little bit about how you got started, your career journey,
1: and how you end up where you are now. Okie dokie. Um, I am a Brooklyn-born young lady who grew up in the era of Puff Daddy, a.k.a. Sean Combs, a.k.a. (laughs) Um, Growing up, I wanted to be Puff Daddy. While I admired the business acumen of Michael Jordan, Puff Daddy is totally what drove me when I was a preteen and... I literally said, I'm just gonna follow everything he did when he was younger. So that took this little smart Brooklyn girl to start interning. I started interning at about 13. Um, I was at the Source magazine while I was very much a high school student. Um, I definitely ended up working two jobs one summer because I was just so entrenched with hip hop and the source and I had an amazing boss during that summer who totally got it and understood my, um, love of that hustle. And she totally encouraged me. She also was the person that made college sound like the most amazing thing. (laughs) And funny enough, she went to UPenn, which I know you went to. Um, and that's kind of where it started, um, interning and it has just kept going and going and piling up. Um, and it ultimately led me to MTV, where they had an amazing internship program, where I ran into you. Yes. <laughs> um, and then from there, even while I was there, I was side hustling. <clears throat> I was writing. And this kid from Akron um, was starting this company. I was reading about an Ad Age. And I wanted to, one, work there. But then, two, I was also a, a writer hustling the side hustle. And I ended up writing an article and simultaneously interviewing. It was the, a very unique, universal sign that it was all supposed to happen that way.
0: Wow. So this, this makes a lot of sense. For those of you who don't know, uh, well, of course you wouldn't know. But so Letitia and I, we met at MTV at this like internship program, right? But I remember meeting you and being like, how does this girl
1: have all this work experience? <laughs> like, we're both 22 years old, <laughs> What is going on? <laughs> and what is so funny um, about that whole experience, the first day I sat in a room and I said, how am I in this room? Everybody here went to Brown and Penn and all these Ivy League schools. And I'm just a little around the way filet from Brooklyn. who just so... Worked really hard and just had a ton of work experience. And I, it, it always freaked me out. Like, wow. wow, how did I get in this program again?
0: Well, I, was, I was freaked out by you. I was like, this girl has worked with the best of the best, has <laughs> so much experience. And can we touch on that for a second? Because you were always very humble about that. But OK, so you supported Jay, You worked with Jay-Z like one on one and I know you must have picked up you picked up a sense of grind from him a grind without being like phased by celebrity like all of us were there that was our first time really seeing celebs like we're geeking out and you're like I'm just here to do this work to get to the next level
1: um yeah no I ran Jay-Z's fan club while I was in college it was um the intern it was a really really cool internship and then it again that just kept growing and then one day my boss was like oh we're going to do the principal for a day tour with Jay. And I was like, what? And before I even had a chance to think it through, it was like, okay, let's meet at this time. We're, we're going to Philly. Philly's the first stop. Um, Obviously I was in college. So I was like, I mean, I can't do the whole tour, but I can, <laughs> I can do the Philly stop. And we made this bus stop and Jay-Z just gets on the bus. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait, what? <laughs> like I'm in Jay-Z's tour bus, like what? And he was so cool. And, he was so like, so what do you want to do? It was very adult questions. And shockingly, I was just like, yeah, I know what I want to do. I want to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And yeah, I think everyone on the bus was like, oh, wow, you're serious. Um, So yeah, no, the Jay-Z factor, um, always, always really, really interesting. He's super smart. Um, and that kind of that was like my step in the right direction of understanding where I'm trying to go. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. And how do you think these experiences influence your entrepreneurial fire? Like, was that, was that starting to brew back then? Or were you still thinking like, I want to work in media entertainment, just trying to think of the next moves.
1: Um, when I saw Puff Daddy's MTV documentary on the making of no way out the tour, which was my first hip hop. tour I ever went to as a teenager. I said, wow, every day in his life looks interesting. I want that. I literally want that kind of um, job and position where every day is different. And I totally understood his entrepreneurial fire because Bad Boy was at the top of its game then. And I was like, oh my God, I kind of want to do something like that. Um, In my head, I just kept thinking being at a media company will lead me to that. Um, And it actually did in a very unique way. Because it kind of made me say, oh, the day-to-day of coming to an office, um, I think I was in a department I didn't necessarily love. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I may as well jump out the window and <laughs> go do try something else. Um, and then with each internship, it weirdly like prepped me for the entrepreneurial get-it-done mentality in every position I was always in after that um it was always that at rockaway it was a get it done i started as an intern ended up as an um like a a manager a brand manager and then i don't know each job i i the entrepreneurial thing just always came at me very like get it done figure it out i don't care how you get it done it, it just followed me throughout my career it just followed you wow so speaking <laughs>
0: of get it done like Tell us about how this Brooklyn girl ended up in Akron, Ohio, um, working for LRMR. Like, what? How was that transition? How did the opportunity come about?
1: Um, the opportunity came about um, while I was at Rockware. Again, I was in college, and I remember all of the office talk about this kid from Akron. I remember glancing at ESPN and like, oh, this kid from Akron. And at the time, someone at the NBA gave me tickets to the NBA draft. And I went to the draft and I saw the white suits when LeBron got drafted and I said, Oh, okay. This is interesting. Um, fast forward. I was at MTV after an internship at Bob where I learned how to write and pitch and all of that. And during the internship program, I literally said, Hmm, I think I want to pitch this story. Let's see how I can make it happen. I read ad age. I saw who the publicist was. I reached out to him. He shockingly answered. Um, and actually like we did a 10 minute phone call about who I am and, and my background. And he said, Oh my God, I think they'll love you. I think you're perfect for what they're trying to do. In addition to your interview, I think I, you should meet Maverick. I think you guys will click. And that was all she wrote. (laughs) (laughs) And that
0: was Maverick. Is that Maverick? What's his last name
1: again? Maverick Carter. Maverick Carter. All right.
0: Everything LeBron. Everything Lebron. So you know we're not. This is not the Lebron story. This is Le- the Letitia story. <laughs> but I did think it was an important thing to bring up because I just think that was such a unique experience. For how many years were you with them? Seven years. Okay. Yes. Yeah, doing doing like any. And almost like you've done a variety of roles, right? <laughs> so I, you know, I want to showcase that journey because I think it's all building up to where you are now. So can you talk a little bit about what your experience was there? From like we've talked about your China story, like give give the people a snippet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. Well, at LeBron Inc. LRMR, it was a startup. I was the second hire. Um. So it was literally a ground up situation where we went on to manage every deal, everything he, he was interested in thinking about doing the whole shebang. Um, I started as an assistant, um, but as the company grew, some people stayed, some people left, um, and I just moved up in the ranks. Uh, I gained LeBron's trust in a really unique way that allowed me to, be successful, extremely successful with his brand partners and really making sure things got accomplished and looked and felt um, to his liking and to the liking of the brand we were building. Um, Yeah, it took me all around the world, uh, Spain, China, Dominican Republic, uh, all across the United States, Austin, LA, uh, Beaverton, all big and small, uh, all kinds of cities, faces, places, um, you name it. And it was the experience of a lifetime. Um, and it definitely prompted me for the entrepreneurial journey that the universe put me on, because even in that situation, you have a lot of resources, but you got to figure out how to make those resources work for you. Um, so that was a, it was very entrepreneurial. Again, it was just get it done. If you feel this way and you feel strongly and, you know, we trust your instincts, then let's figure out how to get it done and grow it and make it amazing. So yeah, um, it kind of prepped me for all that comes with being an entrepreneur from understanding equity and ownership and, LLCs and S corps and the importance of reading legal documents. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the biggest the most amazing things I learned there was lawyer talk, redlining contracts. Um yeah, that that was immensely helpful even as I do, you know, we create and have lawyers look over our own contracts but Knowing what you want to go in a contract and putting the language together initially always is a great tool just for me personally of verbalizing what you want to get out of a deal, out of a relationship, out of a partnership and having that experience with those top notch lawyers and asking questions and all that was hugely beneficial as um, my partner and I started this entrepreneurial journey together. Even my business partner, who's also my best friend, I met him working with lebron he was um the first person i managed in my role there and yeah we just we were the yin and yang (laughs) and it was just like oh let's keep going let's keep going and yeah okay so now let's get into this entrepreneurial
0: journey because i just know it was easy peasy right you learned everything (laughs) But, but before we jump into it, though, okay. So you're seven years doing a career that you've been doing, you know, all of your twenties for the most part. Mm-hmm. How? What made you decide to reset? And did you ever have like an identity
1: crisis? Like, this is all I ever know. Like, what do I do next? Um, an identity crisis? No, not at okay. all. Um, when you work with high profile people like that, I always say there's a very clear line of um worker and owner there is a very clear line of you know we are rich you are not (laughs) Um, those lines were super clear for me um and just on a very basic level in my own head it was like my mother don't live in a mansion um i don't fly private Um, I, I can't afford a $15,000 Birkin bag or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So it was always a very, very clear line for me of understanding my place in this ecosystem. Um, definitely had more than enough situations where I was reminded. So never had an identity crisis. Um, always understood for the most part, that name will get you in any door as far as picking up the phone and calling somebody, sending someone an email, Um, yeah, so no identity crisis. I just wanted to hit a reset button. I was, I was young and I kept saying to myself, um, I don't know anymore if this is for me. There's a dedication to that lifestyle that is, uh, (laughs) it's like the, it's, it's really like the secret society of it all. Um, your life is not yours. Mm -hmm. It really becomes all about keeping that superstar at a superstar status and level. Um, it becomes quite overwhelming. And for me, I just said, I'm getting older. When I was young, this was great. Being on 24 seven, it was amazing, it was great. But as I got older, it, I just needed to change. I needed to test and challenge myself in a new way that I was not gonna be able to do there.
0: So now you're out on your own. How did the idea for Cards for All People come about? And when did you know that you had this idea worth betting from, betting on and you weren't going to go look for a traditional job at like a company?
1: Um, the idea came from that Rachel Dolezal scandal was just so interesting to watch play out in the media. Um, I'll never forget Twitter was my first. It was my first example of looking at Twitter and going, oh, my God, we all have these shared experiences Mm -hmm. as (laughs) as African-Americans that this scandal brought out with jokes and, and made it so humorous and comedic. It was like, oh, my God, it's something here. And again, even with my time with LeBron and all of those people of that stature, those same shared experiences, they had them, too, like everybody understands a fried fish sandwich more than likely means whiting fish, not <laughs> ass, not, so, you know, and I always thought those things were funny in that position. And then to see it on Twitter over such a, you know, scandalous scandal, I said, Oh, it's something here. And I just found myself taking screenshots and sending them to my bestie. And he would also send them to me when we were like, Oh my God, it's something here. And then it was just, um, boom, let's do it. We were reading a ton of articles about um, manufacturers and all of that kind of stuff. We really started doing a due diligence. And then before I knew it, a sample pack was in my mailbox. (laughs) Because if I'm Olivia from Scandal, then my best friend is Huck. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's always how we've uh, described ourselves. And then it was like, yeah, let's go. It's done. I'm with it. It makes sense to me. Let's go. And then it was just figuring out the segmentation who's the target customer, which again, we took it. Um, living in New York is a beautiful, beautiful asset. Um, we played with it at block parties. I went block party to block party in Brooklyn, New York, playing the game. Um, eventually, my partner flew out and we shot it on camera, I played it with neighbors, friends, family people we didn't know. And it was like, oh, my God, it's something here. It's something here. Um, and yeah, that's kind of when we said, OK, this is it. Let's go. I'm just cheesing from ear to ear because I love it. And I love
0: when I see people, you know, like, oh, we're going to play Black Car Revoked. And I'm like, Ma, that's my friend. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, I just came from Cuba and we were talking about podcasts and my great friend Celia Williamson, Mentioned your podcast. And I was like, oh my God. She was like, oh my God, that's my. I, I listened to that. Like, what are you talking about? She asked you to be on there. Like, well, how come I don't hear you saying you have a date confirmed? And I was like, oh, she was like, oh my God, that's my podcast. I love it.
0: Wow. Shout out to Celia. Yay. <laughs> so, speaking of, you know, get, getting back to Black Car Revoke, though, now. You kind of skipped over like manufacturing and all that stuff like it's so easy. Walk please walk us through that process. Like what was the first step you took? Like are you on I mean what websites are you on?
1: <laughs> um it was literally buying games, buying your favorite game and reading the back of it and seeing, you know, who those credits went to. Um for my partner and I, we read a lot of articles about people that did it previous to to before us. Um obviously you know, there's a really big name one out there that um, everyone is familiar with and just reading this story, it was like, oh, hmm, interesting. Mm -hmm. And then once you focus your research on a very specific thing, Google is amazing at what will pop up. And before I knew it, my partner was like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this. And then together we, we did a lot of that. Like, I found this, he found that. And then we, um, It's got samples printed and tested out, you know, tested the feel of it, the quality of it, um, the manufacturing of it and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, we're
0: done. And, you know, you talked about shooting the video, but that's just the first step, right? Like shooting a video, nobody could see it. But you what did you do next? Like you were doing Facebook ads. How were you targeting? Were you going after just plain just black people or were you going after scaling or not scaling, but like really honing in on uh, certain um, income levels and just how deep was your targeting?
1: Um, We definitely understood that the African-American woman was our target. And for the topics and categories we had selected to put in the game, we understood she was probably between 26 and 40. Um, And it just so happens that at that, in that age group, there is a bigger disposable income value there. Um, So that was kind of how we did it. Very, you know, African-American women, the age range. Um, And we let the numbers talk to us. So after the first few months, we let the numbers talk to us. And then once it hit Essence and Tumblr, then all the data poured in and we were able to, you know, scale it up, scale it down in certain areas and really monetize what the data was telling us
0: love it love it now speaking of monetizing now when did you start to reap the profit Even, even before we get to that we'll get to that in a second were you side hustling throughout this process with little with other little projects along the way or were you just like living on savings and a prayer and investing all your time resources and money into this process
1: I was consulting when we first started that, July through October, I was in, I was doing consulting for Admiral Center, which is an amazing philanthropic, uh, I like to say superpower in the world, um, on the entertainment and celebrity outreach for a lot of their um, initiatives. So, I was already locked into that, and then doing this as well on the side, so... Yeah, I had that going, but yeah, I always have a prayer in me I, and I'm always listening for my savings. <laughs> um, but I, again, I learned a lot about money management from working with Mr. James and the importance of saving and spending money in, money out, uh, investment accounts, all of that kind of stuff. So I feel like I, we and I learned that in high school as well, it's just I actually put it into action. I feel like those steps really, really came in handy during that time when we were like, is this going to work? Is it not going to work? Um, so yeah, I always had a prayer with it because I wasn't making like a trillion dollars a year. Yes. So yeah.
0: And and speaking of a trillion, like what does success look like for you and your partner? And when did you start reaping profit from the business?
1: Um, I would say that, christmas we started reaping profit we are super big on first of all we bootstrapped this totally no outside money came through our pockets so i always feel like when you spend your own money it is very much uh you care about where each dollar goes yes um yeah, that knows. I want to say that November, early December, once the press got a load to it, we instantly, um, well, not instantly, but we, we started seeing profit back from what we had invested. Um, Christmas 2015 was super intense. I literally spent um, our, I spent two weeks in our fulfillment center because we were so undermanned. It was just like, whoa, this is moving fast. I'm packing up and I'm living in the fulfillment center (laughs) for two weeks to get the orders out, you know, make sure everything is going smooth. And I I don't know, I'm an old school leader. I like connecting with everybody on the team. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's something about a leader being in the trenches, even when it's really ugly. I don't know. I have always admired that in a couple of bosses I had, not every boss, but it just does something for me. It did something for me as an employee, and I wanted to evoke that same emotion out of the entire team that works with both my partner and I. And it, it is a lot of family involved, but it was just this beautiful connection time for us as a unit on what this is about to become.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a
1: place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.
0: Wow. I love that you brought up the fulfillment center because, you know, I'm in a product focused Facebook group right now. And I see the journey that a lot of the entrepreneurs are going through, especially when they get that first wave of press. And then it's like, oh, crap, like they don't have a factory yet. So they're literally printing and packaging like 300, a thousand orders. When did you move to having a fulfillment center? Did you guys always have that?
1: Um, we started out just like family packing it from the house. And then once it became overwhelming, we already had a beautiful conduit into it because my partner's sister is an amazing artist, Ketora Ariel, and he comes from a family of entrepreneurs. So it was, I couldn't have planned this better myself. It was already a thing in the back of our heads. Like, oh, we already know people that do this. Your sister does this. (laughs) So it literally was, well, you know, this is what she does. We can, you know, we can mimic this. And we did very, very fast because once press hit, we were, we were really, really ready. And we were sticking and watching the numbers every day. The orders go up and it was like, okay, we need to get this kind of order in to get this fulfillment done, to hit this number by this holiday date, um, Yeah, every day we were on top of it. So that transition was pretty smooth. Thank God. Yeah, I mean,
0: you being ready for a holiday is everything because that's that's what I noticed in this um, Facebook product group. I was like, the holidays can make or break you. It's like you see the numbers coming in. And then like after that day, you're like, crap. Like, how the hell am I going to get these (laughs) orders out the door? (laughs) So is it still a family run affair or have you hired team members who are not connected with to you? And how did you find those people?
1: Um, right now we're going through that process of not hiring family. Um, between my business partner and myself, that's just, again, I guess this is the effects of working for LeBron, um, really empowering our friends and family to get involved um, So I think like literally this week, we probably had our first non family member, um, formal interview. It's, it's been really interesting to go down this path, but again, we're growing so fast and we have such an amazing vision for what we're trying to do. And the card game has definitely broken into so many other businesses so fast. That is just like, okay, we need help. Mm-hmm. We need help and we are running out of family members to <laughs> move in. Oh,
0: we have so much family. Um, so can we talk a little bit about the lawyer lawyer talk that you mentioned earlier? So coming into this. Did you have all your T's crossed and your I's dotted in terms of your contract, knowing exactly what you wanted in it, trademark and stuff and all of that, or did you learn and have some bumps along the way?
1: Um, No. When we came in, my partner and I, we were very big on trademarks, copyrights, um, and all of that stuff, because again... The, the previous experience we had, I mean, everybody does it. You, you will be amazed the the names you'll find when you look into that trademark database and who has what. Mm-hmm. It is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing how a Nike used to do things and Beyonce, like it is, that, that, that trademark thing is so interesting just to see how your favorite celebrity has trademarked their name and their tour stuff. So for, for us, we understood that. We understood that coming in and before we even let out a card game or we knew like we have to have this locked down on that side of the ball. And we actually ended up doing a name change. But even with the name change, we had um, locked everything down.
0: Oh, got it. Uh, I love it. I love how prepared you were. So speaking now from the lawyer talk, I'd love to get into a little bit around building the brand sustaining the brand and speaking of trademarking now more games are popping up more games that are focused on african-american culture are popping up how are you continuing as you expand to distinguish yourself in this market with more and more competitors
1: well that's why we have expanded into the live tour and we're having some really amazing dialogue in um other areas of media but that was literally probably the amazing factor that helped us understand quickly. We have to stay on the tip of tongue of the tip of everyone's tongue. And we want to build an emotional connection that actually allows us to be at top of mind. And we can't stop competitors, but we just have to be the best at what we do. Um, so yeah, that's literally the idea behind, you know, why we do expansion packs. And now we have BCR live, the tour going on. Um, we, we knew, we knew there will always be a competitor coming, mm-hmm. come, coming, coming. So we just try to differentiate ourselves in the marketplace by creating really authentic and emotional connection to our brand and our games.
0: Nice. And- What has been, because everything so far seems kind of smooth, Letitia, like what has been (laughs) the biggest challenge or most surprising part of
1: entrepreneurship? Wow. um, The biggest challenge or surprise. Early on, we weren't sure it was going to hit. We understood why it was special, but we also had a, a very real deadline on if we don't make the money back by a certain um, day or if we don't sell a certain number of units. It was like, okay, this isn't gonna work. Um, thankfully, we did. I just felt it in my soul that we would. Um, what's most surprising is when pe- when I run into people and they know my product, I am so, I'm shy in that way that I don't, I'm not, a, oh, I'm the girl from Black Car Vogue. I'm not that girl. I am totally the opposite. Like I am the most quiet person in the room and I've always been like that. I've never been there. I work for LeBron girl. Never. It's just not me. I, I'm just not that person. It is all of my friends that um, do that for me. So I think whenever people respond to like, Oh my God, I have it in my living room. <laughs> that's probably the most surprising mm-hmm. for me. Um, because it's just, it'll always be this little thing that was between me and my bestie and and, and our family and friends, and it just blew to this whole other thing. And that is always so surprising to me. <laughs> oh, it, it is, it, 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 it freaks me out sometimes. Like, oh my God, this little, my little baby is, is people love it. Like, I <laughs> right.
0: Have you sent a version to Oprah yet? I mean, really, I think everyone needs to
1: have it. <laughs> Listen, I feel like Oprah should have it too. I feel like she should from Oprah's camp, by all means, just send me an email, hit me on Instagram. <laughs> um, I actually felt confident she might know about us. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a lot of seating early on and I have gotten feedback from like the biggest and the best. And I'm like, oh my God, like, wowzer. I didn't even know. Like I'll get a text message or an email from, from, oh my God, the most amazing people. And it's just like, wait, what? (laughs) And then I'll tell my friends and they'll be like, but that person has no idea I exist. Like you're talking about the highest of the high right now. Yeah. Yeah. so. You're, this humble thing you do, like, stop. <laughs> right,
0: right. I'm like, no, I knew it. Coming into, it's you being interviewed, I was like, now, Letitia, we're going to have to pull out. We're going to have to extract some of your experience. We're going to have to
1: mention names and stop with this. Humble <laughs> I, stuff. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, everybody has it. From the Kevin Hart, yes. the, the Shaquem, the Will Smith. Every we have sent it to everybody, and I've gotten feedback from people that I literally cry like, "Oh my god!" So yeah, everybody knows, or okay. and or they're coming across us on red carpets now because mm-hmm. that was another strategy um, that is is really, really helping to grow the brand with celebrities, even if they don't know. So. Okay.
0: And now you bring up, I want to ask a two-part question. So the first part, because you're very good about this, is how do you use your network wisely? So you have this awesome network, but you you have to be careful not to just be like, hey, you know, Kevin Hart, like buy my <laughs> game and put it on your Instagram. How do you do that dance?
1: Um. You know, it's funny. A few people I know, love and adore in my life are like my real friends and they are just so helpful in that in that space that I don't have to ask for much Um, because the relationships are so authentic. It's people that have known me since I was a teenager running Jay-Z's fan club. And those people have always been my biggest cheerleaders and they've helped me get to to a LeBron and. The addresses to certain people and all of that stuff. So, across in, in this journey of mine, I take my relationship building really, really seriously. Um, and I like to cheerlead people on. I just, I really believe that the universe gives you back what you put into it. And I have had so many amazing cheerleaders throughout my journey that when it comes to doing that dance, I think about it because I understand the other person's position. But most of the time, people that know me, they know like, oh, Tish, if you're coming, that means you are about to go very hard at this because you are not somebody that asks for requests or things like that often. So when I do, it's like, oh, oh, this is the big idea, huh? Mm-hmm. So, but it is a dance. Oh, it is a dance for sure. Oh, yeah. And my
0: second part to that question is now, What advice do you have for those of us who want to reach certain influencers, but don't have the network, don't have the um, connection and the in? Can you share any tips there?
1: Um, Consistency and being really focused and strategic on who you want to get to. Um, If you're trying to get to a celebrity, you're not trying to get to the celebrity. You're trying to get to the manager or the person that influences them. You have to influence the influencer. That's just something I've learned throughout life. Um, everybody has someone in their team, on their crew, on their staff, that when they say this is the new thing, that they, they're going to listen. So that's the person you always want to try to get to when, when you're going that social influencer celebrity route. Um, be really smart and strategic on how you reach out to people. Um, I have made relationships with people via email just from seeing an amazing article or sending a note of thanks or a note of that was amazing. Like so inspiring. Just I always try to keep the positive vibes flowing and most of the time they flow right back. Um, so yeah, no, being really smart, and strategic about who you want to get to the reason you want to get to them and how you, you know, angle that, whatever it is you're trying to get to them for is really key to getting what you need out of establishing the relationship, I should say.
0: Okay. That, that is a golden nugget. So thank you for that because I think a lot of times, for example, I would love to get candy in the guest chair. I will, I'm going to say I will get candy in the guest chair because she's the number one side hustler, but I've just been laser focused on her. I'm like, wait a second. So you just spoke a message to me.
1: All right. And to <laughs> research Candy properly, again, yeah. because when we were seeding, we, we hit everybody and everybody answered. Oh. The, yeah, the business side of all of these people. Oh, they're looking for opportunities because, and this is also what I, I've always loved about a Jay-Z and a Beyonce is, they're them, but they are them because they know how to stay hot and understand what's next, who's the next writer, who's the next producer, everyone is always looking for a new something, a new opportunity, a new place to connect with their target audience always. Um, So you can just speak to that when you reach out to whoever it is you're trying to network with. I think that's immensely helpful. And you're already a star. I love you girl.
0: All right. (laughs) Before we get all mushy, before we get all mushy, let's jump into the lightning round. Um, You know, the deal you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready to play? Oh, boy. <laughs> Here's
1: where it gets tough. Here's where it gets tough. All right. Deep. Okay. This feels like family feud. Yes. <laughs> right. We're about okay. to play a new
0: game. Deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
1: Um, I'm super old school. So I read Bloomberg business week and fast company and entrepreneur and all of those amazing kind of um, magazines because they get my juices going on how other entrepreneurs build understanding how someone else builds their empire has always been immensely helpful for me because there's something to be learned in pieces you can extract and make your own
0: amen number two what's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year
1: Making Oprah. Yes. (laughs) Making Oprah was so amazing to me. Um, That behind the scenes look on Oprah Winfrey was amazingly mind blowing. It was super personal. It talked about her personal issues with overcoming being um, an overweight black woman to building out the behind the scenes and executive producers and their perspectives and and how she pulled off those really big stunts and it was literally like it was a great emphasis of the 24 hourness it takes to be successful a lot of people get caught up in the end result and not the what it took to get to the end result everybody loves oprah but not everybody knew no she was working 18 hour days so exactly I thought it put an amazing spin on the empire that is Oprah Winfrey. And I said, this is so inspiring. Bowser. Yes, and shout out
0: to Public Radio and WBZ for that because I was inspired, especially as, you know, me getting my mini Oprah on with this podcast. It was really inspiring to see her break through so many barriers at the time. I mean, the 80s coming through with her jerry curl
1: and overweight, like, yes. You know, she started out so um, controversial and then she flipped the entire platform to inspire people. That Mm -hmm. was amazing to me. Yep amazing
0: oh yeah all right back to lightning round number three who inspires you and why
1: um well obviously Oprah Winfrey (laughs) um Michelle Obama uh I just the words cannot even express my love of Michelle Obama like I have been in her vicinity a couple of times and I just break into tears I just Mm. she is everything um she is someone that Her demeanor, her accomplishments, her style, her grace, she constantly proves if you work really hard, you can have the career and the powerful union that she has, obviously, with um, former President Obama. And she always has this really amazing honesty thing with her that I go, hmm, that is very interesting. So when I saw her and Oprah together for that last interview, it was so emotional for me, just so emotional, um, yes. but I feel very inspiring that the things that, um, you know, we career girls, well, we all want husbands and children. Like, those things are actually attainable. She is always, always a reminder of that. And then I think sports is always inspiring. Be- sports is life. Dis- it just teaches you so many things about life. I'm not an athlete, but working with one and seeing that discipline, that's an everyday thing. That's not, I just walk on the court and I'm great. It is diet, it is exercise. It is understanding your weaknesses to get better and get stronger. And those are the things that that experience taught me, being around somebody at that high of a level. It never stops. There is no vacation. Yeah, there is a vacation, but no, it's really you connecting with the greats. Um, obviously, going through pre-LeBron before what he is now, which is constant finals and all of that seeing that process was always so inspiring. Like after a loss on Friday, it's back to business on Monday and figuring out how to get better. That was always so, so, so inspiring. So NFL, NBA, when I watch those those sports leagues and I just see the, the work and discipline each player has to be great, to be Aaron Rodgers, to be Tom Brady, to be LeBron James, yeah. to be oh, the The work ethic there is just off the charts so i'm I'm gonna take it on another
0: tangent how emotional were you when cleveland won (laughs) last
1: year um how emotional was i i was in i was was i in cleveland um oh no when they won i wasn't in cleveland i think i was there like a couple days before um how emotional was i um i actually wasn't that emotional Uh, I think the first championship, I was like, wowzer. But now it's like, okay, it's the third one. (laughs) It's expected.
0: Yeah, but it was Cleveland though. But anyway, anyway, off tangent, off tangent. (laughs) Number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business?
1: Working out early in the morning to start my day. Um, Whenever I work out, it just sets a tone of, taking over the world um getting my heart rate up breaking the sweat it just i don't know it does a mental transformation for me that allows me to think clearly and be a lot more fearless as i approach the day and when i don't have a workout i don't feel like i'm nearly as fearless um Being fearless as an entrepreneur is so key because you're going into uncharted territory. And if you let what society and what people have previously written, you know, discourage you, you're dead. You got to think about innovation and pushing the envelope. And you have to find those ways within yourself and things you like to do that allow you to think in a very fearless way, in a very, let's just throw it out there and see what happens. Sometimes that is very hard to do, but for me, getting a early morning workout in is always key that brisk air, the sun hitting your face or seeing the gray, gray clouds depending on what kind of day it is um yeah, that for me would be a great personal habit that yeah makes
0: wow, well, number five, I think you touched on some great advice, but officially what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are scared of losing that steady paycheck
1: um define what security is in life for you is it allowing your fate to be in the hands of a boss or a company or is it building something that puts you in the driver's seat um i think if you can honestly answer that for yourself you will understand the path you want to take. Um, Don't get me wrong. The security of a paycheck is beautiful, but is it really secure when you think about it long-term or are you always on pins and needles about who's coming in to steal your spot? What is the next competitor? Whether it's a person, it's a family member, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Defining what is security. I always I I just think that's a great opener for that female entrepreneur who is trying to figure out if she wants to do it. It is a lot of work. Um, It's a lot of kill what you eat. Um, But again, if you're okay with that and you don't mind it, go for it and jump out the window. Definitely take into consideration your responsibilities and all of that kind of stuff. For me, I don't know. I am I am very frugal. I've been frugal my whole life since I began working at 13 and I went to a school that taught me about money and savings and bank accounts and mutual funds. So for me, I've never been that person that was irresponsible with money, thankfully. Um, But so it was a little easier for me because I just I believe in saving like you wouldn't even understand But um, defining what security is, is key.
0: Now, that is such a great note to end on. Now, after this episode, how can listeners connect with you?
1: Oh, I am on Twitter and Instagram um, at Late Will or both. Um, You can also hit me up, Black Card Revolt. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Um. I am always, always checking, talking with people, um, all of that good stuff. The team I have around me, if you reach out via questions, you can also visit cardsforallpeople.com. We have a questions email segment there that um easy is an, another easy way to get to me. Um yeah. I'm accessible.
0: Yay, I love when people are accessible. So Letitia, thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. You're the cool kid now. And I'm just really happy to be on your show sharing information that I hope inspires the next female entrepreneur.
0: I know it will. I know it will. So there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro.